Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hey everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, if you only hear us, then you're listening in. So thank you very much for listening to us on Tiger Paw Radio. And hey, before we go any further, do not forget to hit that subscribe button down below. We produce a lot of great educational content for businesses of all types. And there are so many resources available to you. So make sure you do that and never miss another episode. Well, I'm super excited today. Uh, my guest actually is somebody that is in a country uh, that is one of my favorite places ever to visit. And before we actually got into the recording, we were talking a little bit about it. We do have a difference of opinion on Morton Bay bugs, but other than that, I think we'll have a great, we'll have a great interview. You keep the prawns, I'll keep the Morton Bay bugs. There and, you go. Uh, without uh, further ado, uh, Professor Mel Chris, Senior Executive Cybersecurity and Business Development DXC, and uh, past um, military experience as well. And nobody knows you like yourself, so if you wouldn't mind, just a brief introduction for our audience. Right. Uh, well, thanks, West. Um, yeah, I'm, oh, well, I'm Neil Curtis. I am a professor, but you know, this guy's part of the, I guess, the business case at point sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'm a former Army, uh, Australian Army um, tank operator. Actually, I was in the Leopard tanks when the Leopard tanks were a thing uh, oh, in wow. armour. I went to the military police after that. I spent 13 years in a state-based police force we call Victoria Police in the state of Victorian um, Australia. I went to the then I went to the federal law enforcement sector, um, and then on to different directors side of the roles, and found, finally wound up in uh, the cybersecurity landscape. But with DXC, it's quite a different sort of landscape in terms of um, you know if you're doing well, they obviously give you more work to do. So I head up the military veterans program, um, Australia New Zealand, um, and I'm the head of D or the head the business executive sponsor for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Which if you look at my background, you kind of go, he's an army guy, he's a copper, you know, he's been on the street. Does it really resonate with a diversity role? Um, is he tolerant, that sort of stuff? Well, it's an interesting sort of uh, concept, an interesting way it sort of revolves. But, mate, more than happy to, to you know, help out and, and help veterans and businesses move forward. How did your experience in the military and the police force help to shape your approach for cybersecurity? And, and have you adapted your leadership style in any way differently than the military to fit into a corporate world? Yeah, good question, long question. Um, <clears throat> cybersecurity's cyber itself. So we'll just talk cybersecurity because the world of cybersecurity is immense, right? So there's no, it's not like there's a one door to entry. There's multiple doors and different avenues and, and way more jobs than people would actually think of. So it's not just, hey, I'm a, I'm a propeller head. I want to see the input of hood over my face and hack crap. It's way different than that. But <clears throat> it kind of resonates with your with a mindset of a, of a military veteran and a police officer, it's, it's very different work. It's very different experiences in both sectors, but fundamentally um, you have that sort of protected, you know, self-protection sort of orientation. So you want to protect your family and your friends and, you know, your country and stuff. That's why you serve, run the reason why you should serve. And the policing is no different. It's just in a, in a community base and on a, um, <clears throat> on the coalface sort of front overseas sort of, sort of landscape. So um, I think for me particularly is is that at some point in my time when I was in the IT space because I kind of came through policing I did some IT in policing in car video um, you know cameras on chests and all that sort of stuff and then uh, went into a federal landscape which is in criminal intelligence space 
um, which is all IT based. Um, and I'm not a I'm not a tech guy, right? I'm just a just normal guy. I'm not technical at all. I know stuff, but I don't. I'm not. I haven't got certificates and stuff, and I have no interest in sitting there doing code and and pen testing and all sorts of stuff. It's just not me. Um, and I got in this space by accident, but I was at a point where I wanted to transition from the technology space. And it's something that I could do a bit more long term. It's something maybe of interest because technology to me is is cool, but it can be quite boring sometimes. So I actually fluked a position into a job. Um, I just used those security skill sets that I had. I researched a lot into the security framework, which is common sense approach to pragmatic approach to you know business security and that sort of stuff. And then snagged a role and then from then on my career just took off um but still i'm not technical if i'm sitting here on the front of screens running machines um it's more leadership business orientation and connected with the people because i think one thing out of defense in the defense sector you commit with your own brotherhood so you're very good with your own people um in policing you're very good with everybody else so you're having those I remember being in an interview once and a lady said to me in the interview, oh, I really like your resume, you know, it's a policing history and la, la, la. I said, yeah, okay. She goes, so tell me about a time where you've had a conversation that's been difficult. I've just gone, what? <laughs> every conversation of every day is difficult for someone, be it me or you. If I'm knocking on your door at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm not there to have a cup of tea, you know. It's a bad news day. I'm going to ruin your life for a while. So, yeah, it, that, mind you, I just sort of walked out of the interview about five minutes later saying, I don't think you get it. Um, <laughs> But in the cybersecurity space, I think, um, you know, it's it's dynamic, it's big, it's growing, it's not hard, it's not rocket science, like, but there is a there is a cohort that like to think that it's all this magical stuff in the computer space. And some of it is, you know, the intelligence um, encryption-y sort of space is that sort of space. But by and large, it's business operations, it's governance, how you manage your business, and it's a pragmatic approach. So it's something that you shouldn't be afraid of to have a look at and, and step into. If you're looking for a career perspective, but it's easier than you to get into than you think. But there are there are pathways that that are quite people won't talk about them. And I think this is half the problem with the recruiting space. People just don't want to tell you how to get into it. Yeah, that's where it's really at. So yeah, you know, I think it, I've answered your question. <laughs> there's yeah. a long question there, right? Well, it was, but there's there's two things you really hit on there. One is that I really see this parallel that in cybersecurity, uh, like if you're in the military and in the police, that cybersecurity from the get-go is about a bad day right it's it's that same thing where people are trying to do bad things illegally uh, knowing from the outset and uh, to be able to come in there and help people to avoid that uh, you also touched on the fact that a lot of it is about governance right it's a lot of it's about education and that's one thing that I've, i consider myself a lifelong learner and i think that with things like cybersecurity because we're starting to see some of these newer threats right where uh, ai for example with people calling oh, yeah and leaving uh, voicemails that sound just like the person or you know other things that very much like uh, in a strategic situation or, or actually let me rephrase that in a tactical situation where you may have to react on the fly and change things uh, that oftentimes uh, the new threats and stuff that are coming every day have, you know have got to do that to you as well right that it's it's never a static game in the cybersecurity world yeah it's um it's really interesting you say that because um when you think about an external threat sort of perspective like you are like stuff's coming into the environment and you have to be tactical and change stuff if you and when you change those parameters or those those systems to be different to manage that stuff you can break in current systems as well so you can go okay i need to change this we're going to tactically deal with this threat and you go and do that deal and you break all that chain of um information in the space so you go 
oh, crap, we just broke all this stuff. Now we have other incidents in this space. So it's a very methodical spray. It's not reactive in terms of like, oh, I've got to do this right now, this, despite the world. You need to understand your environment and every change you make has a ripple effect. And what is it? You need to limit that ripple effect. You need to limit that risk because opening, closing door on one risk, you may open do multiple doors even on other risks. So there's a, you've got to be compliant with that space and cognitive of those changes that you make, which is, you know, and if you're in the space like we are at DXC where we're managing everybody else's stuff, right, we don't well, manage service provider, so we're managing like the bank, we're doing all this security for them. If we make those changes, the ramifications can be quite disastrous for the end user, like you or me as a customer, the bank itself and the DXC company is a reputational space. So you've got to be quite clued on about those changes. Yeah, and I and I don't have any experience with that from a cybersecurity perspective, but certainly from a software perspective, that having worked with software companies my entire career, that one piece of code can mess up yep. a whole bunch of stuff. And sometimes you don't even where it's coming from. Uh, I don't know if you remember back in Y2K when everyone was <coughs> Um, you know, that because the integers weren't correct uh, for how they marked mm. the year, uh, that systems were going to shut down and cause havoc worldwide. Now, warranted there were problems, and fortunately, none of them were catastrophic, but we simply didn't know, right? What yeah, that's right. changes were, you know, we're going to do, right? <clears throat> um, I wonder, how do you ensure that your cybersecurity strategies align with your company's business priorities, right? And like you said, as an MSB, providing those services for customers, and and I wonder if emotional intelligence plays a role in building that across the business lines and if it matters. Um, okay, so I'll answer the part first, the last part, emotional intelligence. Um, and that, I think the, the bit I missed out from your question, your first question was how do I transition my leadership skills from the military and police into the, the corporate sector? So I'll, I'll, we'll cover those two, I think, because um, that's quite topical. <clears throat> so... Leadership styles in both police and the military are very different. They're both rank-structured service lines. Um, the, the military is more of a command and control in terms of do this, do that, you know, that sort of chain of command. Um, there's a lot of, not a lot of area for discussion, and there's no um, leg legislative framework or support under common law, which you guys are under as well, um, like policing do. Like in Australia, you have a common common law power of policing, power of constable as a, as a constable. So you can be a constable and a sergeant might say, you need to arrest that person. If you don't feel like arresting him for some reason, you don't think it's legal, lawful or whatever, you don't have to. Or you can, but you're operating on that commonwealth, uh, that common law power. So, but in the army, if you're told to do that, then you do it, right? So there's a different space. But when you come out of rank construction, the thing about cyber and the rest of the world coming into the corporate sector particularly is rank doesn't equal influence so let me flesh out a bit if i'm a senior officer um general down to you know like lieutenant or captain or something like that, i'm a senior i'm a commissioned officer whatever i do there because when you think about it right the general is the senior level and the lieutenant is the junior level i'm talking army here because i'm not a navy guy um <laughs> When that transitions across to you know probably executive or or senior manager to CEO, um, they don't cross boundaries because you can. It's completely different. Um, I find that more corporals and junior NCOs are way better at leadership in the corporate space than the senior officers. The senior officers come with years of sitting in their office and commanding, controlling that space, whereas 
the, the corporal space or the junior NCAs are more tactical in their response and they're more mindful about their manpower that they have at hand because they're, they're brothers at the moment and they're touching arms distance where, as a senior leadership, has been um, outsourced. But it doesn't come across at all. So this whole we, we had this exercise here in Australia and I, I criticised the life out of it recently um, and so they cancelled it, is that, when I'm a senior officer in military or policing, policing again, same thing. Doesn't mean I'm a CEO. A CEO is completely different ball game. A senior manager, leadership, um, executive space. Just because I'm a superintendent or I'm a uh, a colonel sort of rank doesn't come across in the corporate sector. Um, and seventy percent of our military and police come in underemployed into the business corporate spe- sector, and so they should because it's not their backyard, right? They have no understanding what they're going to get into. But what we find is out of that 70% that come across, in the first three years, 36% of those 70 in the first three years are promoted to senior officer roles or senior ranks, not the next step up or manager or team leader, but straight up to some senior roles. And the reason why that is is because as a military veteran or police veteran, when I come into a new service line, I'm being educated, I'm trying to understand the business corporation space, I'm making mistakes, Hopefully, I've got a good mentor that can guide me through that space. When I settle into that, which is about a year for me to settle and go, okay, am I in the right job, do I think? Am I happy? Is my family supported? Okay, at that point in time, once I feel supported and I'm at home in my workplace, I start to bring that leadership and that communication, that mission focus, that can-do attitude more tactically into business. So people see that, right? So they see the first year you're trying to, become someone in the corporate sector. The second year they're going, okay, now you're starting to lift your portfolio and your profile in your business. And by year two, year three, I'm actually achieving quite good results. And the business looks and goes, dude's been in there for two years and he's now smashing it. All right, we started off a bit slow, a bit shaky, but that's okay. We expect that as from, from veterans. They come in the next minute, we've got some really good, you know, sound people in our business. And we, they've brought that culture with them as well. So there's a big cultural shift. Um, in the emotional intelligence sector or space, um, you have to be very mindful that the way you speak to people. Um, I got it for years that so you're always, you know, you're either mil- too military or too policing. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, probably you needed a bit of backslap with the old, you know, knife hand and stuff. But at the end of the day, um, you have to sort of, I found that I had to be a lot more in touch with the person and have, be- have a stronger relationship with the person, especially my subordinates. Or people, my team, as we call, um, because my team it could be very flat, and most organisations these are quite flat. There's not there's not a lot of hierarchy. There's like two or three le- role levelled roles, and that's it. So we all sort of work in this role based environment. So it doesn't become rank based. It comes influencer based because you can't pull rank, but you can pull influence. So the emotional intelligence capability that you had, everybody should do an emotional intelligence course. They're not hard. You get it when you see it. Is it applying those common sense factors like we do with our children um, or we do with our grandparents about being a bit more subtle about how you say things, um, not bowing down to them? That's not emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is not about being you know, being subordinate, saying, oh, you know, they want to be called this. Well, no, it's not that. It's, it's more about how can I connect with you as a person and understand you better to get more out of you in the workplace? And I'll give you an example, perfect example, and it happened to me that's seven or eight years ago. We, I did this. I can't remember what it, what it was. It was some sort of like Briggs-Meyer assessment on our team, including myself. And I had this director who was working for me. 
and he was a lovely guy, but I didn't know what to do with him. I was running a $10 million project in cyber, in a security project, um, and I had no idea what his skill sets were, what to do with him. He was sort of given to me by the health sector in the health sector. And um, at the time, it, and we did this test, and it turns out this guy was really strong in the Excel spreadsheet data space. And I've gone, I oh, mean, I've got an 180,000 uh, line Excel spreadsheet to do in this project. Can I? Could would you be interested? He's like, oh, this is my this is my dream, and he smashed it because he was invested in that space. I would never have an understanding that he could be in that space, but that was his passion, and he just took that on that job on. He smashed that job, and he was so excited to talk about it and to be involved. He his performance in the workplace lifted because he had something he really liked to do. So it's about the emotional intelligence is about seeing what people do, how they do it, how to get the best influencing out of space without telling people what to do or shoving stuff in their throat. I, I love hearing that. And I have a similar story, and it has yeah. to do with spreadsheets as well, which is why it, it resonates. Uh, the person that I reported to, Joel Vaslo, is our chief operating officer, right? And I was working yep. on uh, basically some calculators. And I love uh, building calculators. I'm not the greatest at Excel, but can I ever muddle my way through to get to what I want? Takes me a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did. <laughs> I love the puzzle. But one day when I was speaking with him, you know, we have a weekly call and I was going through yeah. some projects and I said, oh, yeah, this calculator, I'm really stumped on a, you know, a few things. He says, well, give it to me. And I said, really? He goes, I love that stuff. Oh. Right? You know what I mean? And, and I would have. Yeah, never, yeah. Um, because he's obviously my superior, if you will. Right. But that that ability for him to then jump down into my space and be able to help with that project his emotional intelligence to be able to sense that and be able to offer that assistance right That's correct amazing so in, there's a you put that you touched on a very important key point right is that in the military in the policing you push up right so or you push work down to your subordinates in the corporate sector you share loads right there's stuff that i i don't like doing i hate it there's stuff that i'm and i'm willing to use my influence for other people's success and the way I view it, when I was, um, and I've run a number of security contracts, my sub, my peers or my support staff, for example, my what they call ASO, account security officer, support person, I've had three in the last four years, and they've all been promoted to senior roles. That itself, and not necessarily within this business either, with other businesses, and they've come to me and said, look, you know, I'm going to throw my job, hat, you know, hat in the ring. They're sort of sheepish, you know, I'm going to go for another job. And I said, awesome. What do I need to do? What do we need to do? How do, we, do you need some interview practice? Let's go and do some, some of that. You need oh, to do, write your resume. Show me your resume. Let me have a look at it. Do we need to shape it up? Yeah. So I'm trying to support them being successful, right? Not just in my business, but in their life. Lifelong friends become people of success with you in your business. So lifting people up around you is a sign of leadership and it's a sign of success. Their success, I go, that's awesome. I feel like I've succeeded in your career space and that's a success for me particularly. And I find, take a lot of pride in that. Um, because you've lifted, we've managed to lift the performance of the business together, and therefore you've. This is the end result. Emotional intelligence bonds you with um, being able to provide that support sector. It sure does, and I think it's a good segue into my next question uh, because we did start talking a little bit about your involvement uh, as a get executive sponsor for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how maybe not everyone would think that's something that a policing background, you know, would offer, right? But um, how do you? How do you see diversity, equity, and inclusion intersecting with cybersecurity? Maybe it doesn't at all, right? Um, and what steps should people with their emotional intelligence maybe uh, take to promote this more in the workplace? The military is extremely diverse. 
it's always a police force. And we don't take take that into account, right? So the diverse, as I like to call them, which is our brotherhood, sisterhood cohort and mill spouses, are, are much more um, prevalent than we've ever given them credit for. We've, we think diversity is about, you know, race and colour and all that, this sort of stuff, you know, perceptions and the like. It's not at all. It's a diversity of thought. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what gender you are. Nobody really cares about you until you can prove yourself to be a valuable asset in the workplace because you have to reinvent yourself all the time, bring value to the business, right? Because just sit there. So diversity is about, for me particularly, is about the richness of thought. In the cybersecurity world, if you had everybody thinking the way the same lines, then you're never going to find the threats, right? You're never going to lift the business and, and think outside the square. So diversity plays a key role in that. We, we have three major projects over here going. We've had them quite some time. We have an Indigenous or First Nations, so Indigenous Aboriginal people in our workplace. We have the neurodiverse, so our autistic people, in our, particularly in our security place. And you can imagine we're working like those guys. It's quite a challenge. They, they'll work themselves to death too, but they love it right? because they get to use what they, they get to see that yeah. they're actually special for us, yeah. right? So they just they lift. Um, and the veterans program, which I lead, the military veterans program, which I lead, and we bring in all the diversity that, that the military and the police sector have to offer into the security and the IT landscape. So cyber is, a, is, a, is enriched by that. So it actually plays to that sensitivities or that sort of cohort a lot stronger than you possibly would think of. So what we're seeing now is we're seeing that the diversity in that sector actually lifts our security capability immensely and allows us to think outside the square. Um, experiences that you've had in policing, because the, the when you jump into your police patrol vehicle, right, every day, whatever you might call it, we call it the van in, in Victoria. I was in traffic side of police motorbike. Everybody I speak to is, it's a, it's a lucky dip who you get, right? You, you see a vehicle do something or you go to a job, you're not, you don't get a call on who you're going to talk to. It's just who's there, right? Who made the call or who you're pulling over or who's had the accident. You don't get to choose that. And so you're dealing with multiple different personalities, some off the spectrum, some a bit drugged, some are in alcohol, some want to fight, some just hate you, that sort of stuff. You've got to deal with that diversity on a day-to-day basis. So you become very good at picking the nuances up and having to work with those people. Uh, and that's a big difference between defence, I think, or military and policing, is that policing, you're actually operational about using that skill set to to have an outcome with a person. <clears throat> so we use those strengths and weaknesses to understand the environment and the landscape and use it in the cybersecurity space, which is a perfect match for the business. Um, and it promotes – the promotion of, of the diversity space should never be about any one particular gender or one sort of like we're not all we don't promote for women we don't promote for um neurodiverse we don't promote for indigenous or veterans we promote collectively so um we lift them all should be all lifting treated the same and lifted up and supported as, as i was sort of speaking before it's a different role for me um i didn't actually didn't know i was getting it they rang, one of my friends rang me up while i was on another meeting he said oh congratulations on your promotion like, what are you talking about <laughs> so they sent me this clip on on teams i'm going is that is there another Neil Curtis in the business? Because that's the old guy, right? Because you would never put me in a diversity space. But reality is, I think, is that it's my experience is probably maybe the best person for the job, I suppose. I don't know. But I have a richness for it. And in terms of females and women in the workplace, um, big advocate, 
but also a big advocate for those diversity groups like military spouses particularly fond of that space and having a big drive on that right now. Yeah, I think that's really important. And uh, actually a good friend of mine uh, on this side of the pond, uh, he's actually in the US, his name's Mike Stramaglio. And he has a, a group that he leads every year called the Executive Connection Summit. And he is big on, um, I'm not sure if they would call it the same thing down there. They call it HOH, which is Hire Our Heroes. And they put a real uh, emphasis on the spouses as well, right? And you know, I think that's absolutely so important. And I've heard it mirror some of the things that you've said about how that experience leads to such diversified ways of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. That when you're dealing, I love how you talk about being in the band every day and that you have to respond on the fly to very different things. You're not going down a, you know, a, a tunnel with the same person every day. It's like, oh, wait a minute, uh, Neil, we've got someone that was uh, speeding. That's your specialty. Could you get over here? Right? Like <laughs> you, you're constantly reacting yeah, yeah. to different things that you can't wait. <clears throat> and, uh, and I love that. I, I also love what you say about the idea that diversity has to be more uh, than just about some of these uh, labels that we put on them, that yeah. really diversity is about thought. And obviously the more that we try and diversify the workspace, the more variety of thought we're going to have. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that's great. And listen, in respect for your time and uh, for that of our listeners and our viewers, I want to come to the final question for today. So with the increasing threat of cyber attacks and how they're changing, yep. and we talked a little bit about uh, AI and some of the influence of that yep. on the generative uh, AI side, um, what advice would you give to businesses that are looking to strengthen their cybersecurity posture, and uh, particularly just in terms of reduction? If you're a business owner, cybersecurity is not your workforce, right? It's not your space. So hire or hire or engage someone who can give you the right advice. I can't promote that enough. What we're seeing is a lot of people saying, I can do this on my own, and they're not going to be doing it on their own. I, I Honestly, I couldn't do it on my own. I could sit here having my own business, and I'd never know all the cyber machinations I'd need to do. What's, you know, what legislation I have to do, what the threat sector looks like, what this new widget's going to do for me. It's a team effort, and it takes a team, right? It takes a, takes a, takes a, um, a family to raise a child, so to speak, or a village to raise a child. The security landscape is extremely dynamic. It's at a precipice right now. So we, we've been doing this for you know years. We've got to a fairly mature space. You know We're trying to catch up. We're doing fairly well. And AI comes along. You go, okay, right, stop, breathe. Now, and I know this in my business, or the business I work in, is that I got approached by my boss, um, and he runs Australia New Zealand. He said, hey, what do you think? And I said, well, you know... If, it's, if there's something good about it, there's going to be something bad about it. And we've already seen it. We're already seeing people put their business information, too much classified business information into like chat and then lose it, right? Because you don't know where your data's gone. There's been some issues with that. But fundamentally, the more the AI learns to be more human, the biggest threat sector I see is the human. Because we're easy to trick as it is on technology, but we're going to be even easier because... We're going to be even more easier to trick with an AI persona of another human. And the reason why that is, the fundamental reason why that is, is because we as a human are wired to connect with other humans, not technology, right? So fundamentally, I can sit in front of this screen for the rest of my life and feel undervalued, you know, feel lost. My soul has been, you know, harvested for this rubbish, the second I go and have a conversation with a real person, I feel enlightened and lifted. There's actually, I feel better. 
as a person for, on all levels, on all emotional, my soul. But the fundamental thing is we are wired to connect to people, not machines. So as a machine becomes the person, you know, that personal profile, then the more they're going to attack us in this space and the more we're going to fall for it. This is a very going to be a very dangerous time because we don't know how to validate things anymore. And this is interesting, right? Do you remember a little short time ago and they said, oh, we want to use your biometrics and stuff. Well, we want to, you know, we want you to, like when we speak to the, the um, some government agencies here, they say, oh, we, do you consent to your voice being recognised by our system? And I'm like, no way in the world. No security guy ever would, right? None of my, because the biometrics is my last Bastille of a person. Where do you, if your bio is breached, where do you go to from there? I don't know. DNA, perhaps? And then when that's breached, where do you go to from there? So, cybersecurity is about business risk, right? It's about trying to to understand the risk of the business and deal with those risks, but allow the business to breathe enough to make money. So, you drop the, the risk down or drop the security down and manage the gap. So you allow the you secure what you can. The business makes its money, which is business, right? Without it, you might as well do a cyber breach, and then you manage the the resist residual risk there. And I think in this space, in the AI space, there's going to be a, a great deal of residual risk that we need to manage. And I'll tell you what, yeah. I didn't realize how little I know until I started uh, doing interviews with uh, folks like yourself that are professionals in the space. I've done interviews uh, with uh, Matt Lee over at Pax Eight in the U.S. as well. And uh, Blair Dawson, uh, who's yep. a cybersecurity lawyer, um, who deals with a lot of this stuff, and and my head explodes. And I can I can tell you that when I look for uh, expertise in this space, that it's from folks like you that are doing this for a living. So I can't thank you enough for doing that. Nah, pleasure, man. Anytime. Yeah, I cannot thank anytime. you enough for doing uh, the interview. And that does bring us to the end of the interview today. And for everyone that has joined in, either watching us or listening in, thank you very much. And do not forget, if you didn't do it at the beginning, hit that subscribe button and make sure you never miss another piece of educational content designed to help you better your business. And until next time, as I always say, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.